consistent than the rent on the fifth. You gon' see some late fees if you pay me on the sixth. Damn, bro used to be the top of 100 grand. Then I turned CEO. I'm thinking millions. I'm the man, no rebuttal. What plans like no rubber? The type the five star make it splash in the puddle. Down. Okay, go ahead. All right. Today we got one of my uh, my good men with me, my line brother. Mom calls me Chaz. He goes by Dr. Chaz. Just here to wrap it up with us, talk about this. Yes, his yes, yes. Okay, what can we just ask, where does Dr. Chaz come from? Alright, so uh pretty much I'm a smart guy. People I knew it was about to be something pretentious. <laughs> nah, it's it's nowhere near that though. It's nowhere near that though. <clears throat> my my primary influences in music are like West Coast acts and mm. I always looked up. I wanted to be like Dr. J, but that's been taken. Uh, and I looked at, I looked up how Dr. Dre got his name. He is a doctor of mixology, so I looked at it as like I'm a doctor of MCing. So that's that's the way I go about it. And another thing is, uh, my music is healing music. So my my music will make you feel better about whatever you're going through. Healing music for who though? Uh, whomever like who's relates your target to. To what I'm going through, I I didn't go into this with a target audience in mind. I just created from an artist's standpoint. Uh, I've been an artist for the majority of my life. I've known since I was five or six years old that I wanted to be an artist. Really? So, uh, who touched you created. at a, well, not touched you, but who musically inspired you at the age of five or six? Uh, five or six? Hmm. I remember before that the very first song I ever remember hearing was Big Papa. Like I remember yeah. hearing that as a infant. I don't know how I remember it, but I remember it. That's what I mean. And then uh, I remember once I was like five or six. I remember walking down to the basement, seeing my uncle, and uh, hearing Hard Knock Life, okay, Jay Z, and that that song changed my life. Okay, Jay Z changed every man's life. I think. Yeah, Jay Z kind <laughs> of like raised everybody on a low. Not um, everybody, just me. Well, uh, yeah. Um, what about West Coast? Like, who else on the West Coast? Because is one artist listening to your music? I think you sound like. I may have actually mentioned it to you. But I just want to see if you say it. Uh, Pac definitely inspired okay. me a lot. Tupac, uh, Nate Dogg, Nate. Uh, Dr. Dre, Warren G. I really love G Funk. I love that sound. Okay. The, those are the old school guys who anybody inspired newer? me. So anybody newer? Uh, Nipsey Hussle, definitely. Okay. Yeah, I was looking for my boy. You sound just like Dom to me. You have a Dom type feel. You got oh, you got two guys. You guys are from similar areas that are rougher, um, but you guys, your music isn't tough. It reference it reference tough stuff. It isn't overly to the girls. It's chill. It's relaxing. And I would say Dom Kenny has a healing type of music. It's flow. It's relatable. He does. What you That's think? a good comparison. Yeah. But I will say Dom is a little bit. I mean, from what I've heard thus far, I haven't listened to your whole project. Mm -hmm. I've heard listened to a few songs, but Dom is more vibesy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, yeah. I, think, I can I can get more conscious vibes from from Chaz more than Dom. Yeah, if that makes sense for sure. And I think I think also yeah, I think you are a little more conscious. And then I, I relate to your story a little more. Yeah, not only because I mean I know you, but I can think we have a similar like um. Story. And that's why I was asking like who would like who are you making music for? Just because I know like for us, well specifically in our area, like you know we have. Like like Derek was saying, like we have similar stories, and mm -hmm. it's not it's not often that you're gonna find a rapper, a rap artist that yeah. literally you can sit there and be like, oh wow, we're 100 percent alike because none of us came from well, at least 
I don't think anybody of us came in a room came from like a gang banging household or endless drugs, yeah. liquor, twenty four seven. Like we really came from a blessed place. Granted, we all had our own struggles, but it's nice to hear someone of our age mm-hmm. that are just that's just on the same caliber as us that we can actually relate to because it's easier to promote too. And then it's like it's easier to connect with. So off jump, it's just like oh, I'm already banging with him just because he gets it. You know what right. I mean? Right. Uh, funny enough, really the main person who I was aiming to make music for was myself. That's lit. Uh, because I had so many years where I never really could find my voice in music through somebody else. Mm. So I think about back in like 2007, uh, where it was a certain type of rap that was dominating the airwaves that, you know, I just really wasn't getting jiggy with it. Yeah. And I remember I was, I had a whole like year or two where I just stopped listening to rap. I was listening to rock music exclusively, mm-hmm. really? playing video games, listening to video game music. And then uh, the song that brought me back into liking rap, ironically, was uh, Gucci Man, My Kitchen. <laughs> you know, typical Baltimore guy. I love Gucci. Uh, but uh, I remember as I started getting older and I started finding out about like uh, like Wale, Big Sean, Drake, like that class. It was like a whole class of them. Uh, Kid Cudi, J. Cole, Wiz Khalifa. You know, it was, all, it was a whole class of them that were kind of, I felt like the big brother to people in our age group. And they were starting to knock on the door, Kendrick Lamar included. They were starting to knock on the door of what I wanted to hear. Mm, yeah. they, weren't ne- not, they weren't necessarily hitting it on the head. Uh, they didn't fully talk about what I was going through. So I wanted to make music for people like me, people who I grew up in the hood and we moved out to Baltimore County to make a better way. So mm-hmm. when I was out in the county and I met people who lived with two parents in houses that ain't touched no other body's houses, <laughs> and they out here trying to act like thugs, I thought that was corny. Mm-hmm. Like, you feel me? I grew up, I had people around me getting killed. There was people getting locked up, you feel me? I was seeing drug raids right outside my window. You feel me? I remember I crossed the street one day. I was four years old. We coming from the corner store. I, we in the street, my uncle tell me run across. Uh, normally he he tell me run across. I look back and he walked past. You know he walked to the other side of the street with me. I, by the time I turn around, I hear a boom. He on the ground. A cop was going full speed, hit him, Damn. and it wasn't like a thing where they felt like they did any wrong because you know they were they they judged his past. Mm-hmm. And I I just I, I just kind of come from a, a standpoint where I, I really feel like I've taken advantage of the opportunities presented to me and I just want to present those options to young people. I want people to think and know that you don't have to be a drug dealer to make it out. You can be somebody you can be black and tall and not hoop. You can be <laughs> black and tall and not play basketball. You can be somebody who decides to play music or Please. do math or do science. Yeah. You can be a lawyer. You can be a writer. There are all types of alternatives to be a successful man in society, a successful woman in society. Yeah, I mean that's that's lit and it's and it's crazy, you know, it's genuine because just that whole spill was all in your album. Like literally, <laughs> like I'm listening to some of some of your like your stories, your quick stories and then like quick bars are going through my head, like, yeah, you definitely said that. You definitely said that. Um so I guess what was what was the what was your thought process when you sat down and he was about to pin this album? Because I feel like you got super personal. Um, and I, I probably was 
I was privileged to a, um, a little more understanding of some of your bars because I know you. But what was like? Did, did you know that you were going to sit down? I'm gonna make a very transparent album. Or like, what, what was your thought process? And then what led you to name the your project? What you named it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, which one should I answer? For? I like yeah, the name the, first. Do the I name first. Saying. Yeah. What, what okay. made you name the album? What it was? Okay, so I named it the Ayadeji Experience for a multitude of reasons. Uh, basically, my grandmother, who I've never had the privilege of meeting, she's still alive, she's in the UK, mm. she's my father's mother, uh, she always refers to me as Ayadeji because I have a twin cousin. I got a cousin who was born the same day as me or maybe the day before me, mm. whose name is Ayo, which means joy in Yoruba. So she calls me Aya Deji because, you know, I was the, the second joy. I was, you know, the joy was double. Nice. Uh, in addition to that, my first project that I created was called the Joy EP. Mm. And uh, that was just like my musical adolescence. You know, on the cover, I'm a child sitting in my bed. It's all types of toys and stuff around me. This is called the Aya Deji Experience because it's a more evolved thing. You know, I didn't really view it as an EP. It's a little bit uh, more mature of a project, and it, it shows that through uh, the penmanship, and it shows that through the cover art. Yeah. You know, uh, to answer your question about uh, getting personal and, uh, you know, making it such an intimate project, that was not something that I had originally planned. That's mm -hmm. not something that I could have ever predicted. Uh, I always, you know, I looked up to, to Pac and I feel like that's a whole lane of the game that nobody is really occupying. It's really that captivating emotional music that really uh, encapsulates what it is to be a young man or a young woman in society going through real struggles, not somebody that's just, you know, whatever. Yeah. So... I remember, I, I mean, I talk about this on the project. I had a conversation with my mother one day, and um, I was just venting to her, and she was like, you know, why don't you express this in your music? And it, it was like a light bulb went off. Because uh, really, this project really goes over the two of the most tumultuous years I've ever had in my life. Yeah. So I a lot of the hardest struggles I ever went through in my life were in those two years, and yeah. all that goes into the project. So that leads me to like, so one of my favorite songs on the joint, probably my favorite song on the joint is Mama Told Me. Mm -hmm. Right. That joint is, that's I my favorite song. That's so nice um, I guess just to back up, because you got me excited about bringing up your mom, just to back up. Like, so as an artist, right, um, you you have your track list. Are you the type of person that makes a track list and you write your bars based on a track list? Or are you the type of person that pins, pins a song and then titles it after? No, uh, you know, the the way I was as a student is the way I am as an artist. Okay. Um, it's a little, it's like unorthodox, organized madness. Okay. So it's, it's like organized chaos. Yeah, organized chaos. It's it's organized chaos, organized madness. So it's like you know I have a base game plan, okay. but sometimes things don't ever don't always work out that way. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like if you plan an event and you got to make some changes because of circumstances you couldn't have predicted. I got you. Uh, the original track list to the Ayadeji experience, I don't think any of these songs that made it were made on it. it. Uh, and the, the, at first it was more of a thing of me organizing uh, instrumentals in a way 
But then there were some instrumentals that, you know, I just got blessed to get. Yeah. And then there were some songs that I wrote before I got the instrumentals. So it really was more okay. about telling a narrative. Yeah. Uh, and being able to flow because if you're listening to it really intently, you'll be able to hear the narrative from track one to the end. Mm-hmm. So, what's the space and place you go to to like write your music? Uh, like you know, like some people I know, like they maybe need to be off some some hardcore drugs. I don't know. Some people need to be you know outside where the sun is beaming on their forehead. I mean, whatever. But I guess for you, like, where is the space and place that's most inspiring for you? Uh, normally in the front lines of chaos with ice cold Pepsi, second on playing. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, Yikes. no, uh, really, it, it's really at the most uh, sometimes inopportune times yeah. that I'm coming up with music. Sometimes I'm in front of a supervisor at a job. And they're telling me something and music's flowing through my head. Then yeah. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm having trouble listening to you. Sometimes, <laughs> a, a lot of times it's in a car, especially if I'm making long drives. You know, y'all out in Bowie, PG, whatever area this is. I'm from Baltimore. So that whole ride over here, I'm coming up with music, yeah. you know, to, to pass the time. I'd rather come up with music than listen to the radio. Yeah. I got you. You create your own beats? Uh I work with a bevy of producers. I'm going to shout them out. Shouts out to, to Gray. Shouts out to Edro Beast. Shouts out to Axel James. Shouts out to uh, Shaq P. Uh, shouts out to my engineer, Android number 23. Uh, Shouts out to Above Ground Studios. Nate, uh, he, he mastered my project. Shouts out to all them people. I got a lot of other people who contributed. Uh, Shouts out to Wonka. <laughs> Shouts out to Slim Shade. <laughs> Shouts out to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, shouts out to speech. John Mateo. He made the heathen beat. I don't know who he is, but I found it on SoundCloud. Shouts <laughs> out to him. Yeah, yo, shout out to all of them. Because what I can say is, you got some nice beats on this jump. Yeah, you got some, you got some nice joints. I but agree. I want to get back to Mama. Mama told me. Okay. So one, just like, cause I'm like you. I, I like to um, scroll through a track list, mm-hmm. like when, whenever it's released or whatever, right? Just right. to see what joints. One, like if it's. If it's like a Drake or something, I just want to see who who who's on the feature. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just find myself scrolling through a track list, and Mama told me one, you know, uh, popped out to me because one, I'm a mama's boy, right? And then two, like that's that's one of the conversations we kind of spoke about how we're kind of at that age where a lot of things became full circle, a lot of things that your parents told you, mm-hmm. um, like little gems they dropped that you really didn't appreciate. Yeah, are now like you're you're encountering in real life situations. So yeah. that. That just popped up, right? So then I'm listening to it. It's just couple, it's a couple bars. You got some nice schemes in the joint. So I ain't write down the schemes, but you got a couple bars in the joints that were super relatable to me. Mm-hmm. All right, so and I was typing them down while I was driving. So if All I right. butcher this joint, um, and it really just talks about progression. This one spoke to me. It's been weeks, better yet, months since I was average, and since then been Dirk Nowinski with the Mavericks. Right. That joint, I was <laughs> like, yo. So it's like, I like that, right? Because that shows one. A level of like humility, a mm. level of reality, and I want to know when did you look in the mirror and say, "Okay, this is my craft. I'm gonna own it." Right now, I can I can say that I'm average. Like when when was that point for you? Uh, when I very first that's an excellent question. When I very first started taking this seriously, that was in 2012. Okay. Uh, back that. then I was doing a lot of internships, and uh, I was in. Virginia in the 757 area which mm. in relation to 
maybe some other southern states, it's kind of fast paced, but in relation to Baltimore, it's quite slow. So I spent a lot of time reading. And um, I was reading this book called Mastery that pretty much was saying it takes like 10,000 hours of effort, you know, seven years of effort to to really become a master at anything. So like 2012, I sat down and I really, I I finished my first rhyme book and I evaluated it. And when I evaluated it, I was just like, you feel me? I got, I can tell some stories. I can convey some emotion, but lyrically I need work. And I was just like song structure. I need work. Like it was just too many songs where like back then I couldn't tell you what 16 bars was. So like I do 36 bars. I remember, I never forget. uh, I hit up one of my friends from the second grade and I was like, Hey, yo, I got this song idea. So, uh, I wrote 38 bars and and then I made a hook and I need you to just throw 26 bars on it. He was like, what? What kind of convention is that? So, uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm, I'm losing track of what I was even talking about. But yeah, that's that. And then when did you notice you were getting better? When did you realize you was becoming dirt? Oh, uh... I realized I realized I was getting better just from the reactions I was getting from people because okay. it went from people laughing at me to people just turning their back to people starting to turn their head to yeah. people starting to be like, hey, yo. And yeah. now it's at the point where people come up to me with quotes. That's what that's what I was looking for, because I always wonder when's the point that we realize where we are. Is it from self-reflection? Can 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 we just notice when we're not good or does, does it take the reaction of others to tell us that we're not good? It takes the validation of The others. validation. And then when do we know when we're like that? Oh, I'm like that. I don't care what anybody say. They're just whack. Just because it takes they the validation of others up. because you need to know when you're impacting somebody. The only way you know you're impacting somebody is if they are coming up to you, being able to spit lines yeah. that you've already said. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then it's like, oh, y'all really listening. Like people can say they listen to your stuff all day, mm-hmm. but you need proof. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So that's... Yeah, I heard you guys state on a previous episode that um, Africans are hard on themselves. You know, I think that was on the most recent episode mm-hmm. when you guys were talking about the uh, the Kenyan food. Oh, yeah. Uh. yeah. You said, like, Africans are hard on themselves. I'm African, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I take pride in my Nigerian heritage, and I'm very hard on myself. Hard. So I would never really give myself credit to say that, like, yo, I'm getting nicer. I still mm-hmm. look at myself today and listen to my music like, yo, I really... Wish I could have made this song better, you know. Wish I could have hit them bars harder. For me, I noticed because I remember you when you started taking it serious. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I noticed you were getting better when I saw you live um, in Baltimore. I forgot where we were, but it was in that nice. It was in that intimate setting. Everybody was rapping. I saw. You, I was like, okay. I think Chaz is serious. Well, that's what you I think Chaz is serious about rapping now. Before, because you know he's someone like a rapper, just like us. If I told someone making a podcast, he probably like, all right, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then I, I saw it. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, right. Jazz is serious. Yeah. Um, all right, I got some more for you. So, is a lot of your fan base in Baltimore right now? Yeah, right now, uh, I got a. I would say that the people that know about it are in Baltimore. I wouldn't say that I am the most greatest PR person right now. I'm fully independent. I'm everything. Uh, yeah. Except for the beat creator and mixing engineer and mastering engineer, I'm pretty much everything in my process. Mm-hmm. So it's uh pretty much 
people that I've individually got my stuff to or people that found out about me from performances. I, I got a couple blog placements, people that found out about me from that. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, uh, I know how to navigate the internet. I got one of, I got a really cool friend I've been friends with, lives in Canada. I never met him before. I met him on Xbox. And, you know, <laughs> there was one of the producers, he produced two of the hottest joints on the IADG experience. I've nice. never met him. He's from Buffalo. Nice. So I got, I got a, I got to reach to some other places I performed. The first performance I ever did was uh, in Norfolk, Virginia, in front of like 500 people. Mm-hmm. So I, I my it reaches a little bit out. Mm-hmm. It's it's growing every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got one more for you. Uh, well, I got two more for you. All right. Um, these all from Mama Told Me or these all from, from different Mama tracks? Told me. Oh, okay. All right. Next one. This joint. This joint. Uh, friends turned on me. Ends turned phony. My day one crossed me. He ain't even fucking warn me. That seems like a conversation straight from mamas. Like, that ain't your friend. That watch him. <laughs> that ain't your friend. Did that really come from a, a conversation with your mom or is that just you expressing kind of like the everyday struggle of growing up almost? Uh, it was a little bit of both. Uh, I went through a very tumultuous time, as I previously stated, and uh, that just really how you felt. summed it up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, no, I feel you. Um, I mean, growing up, I mean, you lose friends. Yeah, you, just, you grow out of you. You know, you just grow, grow farther apart. Um, but just the fact that I was on mama told me, I thought that was one of them conversations. But I oh, you better watch that boy. I know it's a lot of right. a lot of friends growing up. Mom was like, that ain't your friend. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it take it takes a certain experience to yeah. be able to realize that and recognize what she's yeah, talking exactly. about. Then you had a bar right after again. that was that was hot too, and you was like, uh, but we patched it up. Now we be getting money together. I like that one. Yeah, right, I got one more, and this is we talked about this. This was a part of a, a like a relationship scheme mm-hmm. that you had um, about like being with a young lady. But the last bar was, was I done chopped it up with God. I ain't never seen Jesus. And I might have delved into this one a little too deep, right? But what I've seen with our generation or the people that I'm talking to, there's like this movement where people are kind of getting away from religion but mm-hmm. moving closer to God. Right. Now, am I going too deep or was that a part of that? I mean, that, I think that's a very, you've definitely been paying attention. I'm mm-hmm. impressed. Uh that that is a lot of what I'm communicating because yeah. I think uh, modern conventions and uh, really I think the way of thinking about religion is starting to get archaic, just because you know I don't want to get too too deep in my Huey Newton type of thought, <laughs> but you know the King James version was you know modified and altered to control mindsets of people uh and there were certain people of certain colors who tried to manipulate and control other people of certain colors <laughs> and i don't necessarily want to listen to what yeah. was fed to us yeah. mm-hmm. so i much rather walk my own path the 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 life lessons that i've learned throughout my life weren't for me being in a church hall yeah it was conversations that i had chopping it up with god yeah i mean I, that's what i see all over instagram yeah, twitter spirituality yeah and then just people interaction yeah people so are just many moving. arguments over what color is jesus and stuff i've never seen them right nah i mean i'm, I'm with you bro i'm with you but um well, that that joint black. son mama told me yeah you did your thing on that one thank you for really son that one it, it took me at first, it was humility I couldn't get past. But then once I got to mama told me, I was like, yeah, 
this one, this the one. It took him a while to get through this one. This is this is this is really good. Yeah. So that's, that's what's really your favorite song off your project? <sighs> kind of depends on the day. On the day. <laughs> <laughs> kind of depends on the day. Uh, when I first created it, I was like, yo, I think Fishbowl might be the best song I ever made in my life. <laughs> and then uh, when I created the W, I was like, y'all never felt this triumphant before. <laughs> Uh, I like that. I was like, well, this is crazy. And then, yo, like, Winner's Club, whole, that's just a whole conversation in itself. Your man on that joint. Yeah. Yeah, he go in on that. Yeah, he go in on that. Uh, Mama Told Me, that was a song that, like, me and, like, I remember my engineer, he was just like, yo, this is my favorite song by ever, <laughs> you know? And then, um, there's a song that, that's hitting in the back of the track list that, I'm sure most people won't even crack until like September, but <laughs> Do You Wanna, I believe, is one of the best one songs I've ever made in my life. I gotta go back and listen. Do You Wanna is a. I know you were saying earlier, Desh, uh, you think Dom is more of like a vibe. I understand that because I, I definitely can relate to you in saying that. I feel, I believe that my lyrics or my whole process, my songs are have more consciousness to them. That Do You Wanna song is content, vibes, all that. Vibes. I think y'all would thoroughly enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Okay, we got the, that's going to be one of the songs that we play on the little uh, intro. <laughs> <laughs> you could just drop that in at any point. Okay. I think the intro, we should probably play Fishbowl. Okay, he already got a plan. Yeah, Man, you love that fish. What so, were we talking about earlier? The success thing, right? We success, were talking about, We were talking about something earlier. We was like, save it for the mic. Uh, Fizz or something. Your fear. Your, fear. Your You said one of your biggest fear, if not your biggest fear, is your being successful. Yeah. Now, I had a college. I had a, not college. You were talking about fears of public speaking. I was like, I ain't scared of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you're, you're scared of success. Um, elaborate. I mean, saying scared of success, it sounds quite strange, but I do kind of have like a phobia of success. Like I've had multiple times in my life where I've pretty much self-sabotaged mm. my success. You know, like... I was, when I was in undergrad, I was ripping a structural engineering class. And, uh, you know, there was times where the curve in the class was messed up because I was killing it. Mm -hmm. And I just chose to not do a project just because I was like, I'm ripping all these tests. Why am I doing this project? So then the teacher told me at the end of the year, he's like, I can't give you an A because you didn't do the project. So it's times like that where I've self-sabotaged myself. It's times like that where, like, I know what the answer is Mm -hmm. and I just have chosen not to do it because, you know, the goals that I have in my mind, a lot of that success is kind of intimidating. And then you got to kind of get to the point where it's just like, all right, so... I'm either going to sit here and be woe is me and not like the life I'm living, or I'm just going to have to suck it up and face them head on. So that's that's the point I'm at now where I'm like, ain't no fear. You know, fear is a little evil. It's a mind killer. I got to just get that out, face and defeat it. You know? Is that a fear of success or is that a fear of just being erroneous? Like, it, that's what it sounds like. I mean, because I mean, a fear, if you're, if you're self-sabotaging yourself like that, then it's like it must be a sense of pride that you must feel in order that you know that once you accomplish something, that it's gonna be like wow that's bomb. But it's like once you do it so many times, it's like you can get this, this pride about yourself that you feel like you can be untouchable. And then the second that you do do something that is just air filled, it's like the world is gonna go crazy. And well, your world's gonna go crazy because you're not used to it. You know what mm. I mean? So you try to stop that before you get there. I understand I that, and 
I would think that that was it, but I've had times where I went in with such blind confidence and I fell flat on my face that I can't say that that's it. That's why, like, speaking in public is not a fear of mine. I've messed up big time. I've messed up on stuff I know daggone well I shouldn't have messed up on in public, you know, public speaking. And, like, for some reason that just doesn't phase me. But the thought that if I send this one email, this could really make me a millionaire. I don't know. For some reason, that's just like, it's mm-hmm. touchy. I'm like, man, I'd rather just push it off and play 2K. It's an ignorant concept, but it's a piece of my reality. The fear of success is like a complex like idea. It, it just is. Because is it, is it, because yeah, it's not the end goal that. you're it's not the end goal that you're scared of. I think it's the work that you realize that you have to consistently put in that you're scared of as well. I don't know if I'm scared of that. You don't know? I think I'm scared. I'm not scared of the end goal itself. I'm 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 scared of uh what comes with it. That's what I'm saying, which is being Not the work though. Not the work. But it's like a, you're saying like the attention, the it's like it's like when you it's like if somebody flaming somebody up, y'all mm-hmm. going in on somebody, and then somebody else just get caught in a fray by accident. That's kind of like the thing. So it's like for me, it's not the success, it's not the having my music played everywhere, it's the people I don't know just coming up to me, people knowing who I am, stuff like that, mm. and, and, and I don't know. So it's like the fear and, of things you can't control. Yeah, and then. I don't know. In a way, it's like if it's comfort. Yeah, it is. It's almost like a fear of losing myself because there's almost a comfort in knowing that, like, okay, I got a whole lot of potential. Meeting and maximizing potential for me, that's an intimidating thought. (laughs) Some people just get in a zone where like they can do it, and and some people they have to work themselves to do it. Like I feel like Michael Jordan was the type person who he had to work himself to get into that zone. For me, I felt like I've naturally had the ability and I just haven't had the determination to really say, all right, I'm getting in the zone. I don't think I really had that determination until now. Now I'm at the point where I'm like, we, it's go mode. I have no other choice. The The abilities are getting too too developed to try to stay low. You know, the messages that I'm saying are too are getting to the point where they need to be heard by too many ears to stay low. You know, kids need to hear songs like the W. You know, they need to hear songs like that where they know, like, growing up I never sold drugs, wasn't cool. Now I know why I even chose to go to school. Like, they need to hear stuff like that. So now I don't have no choice to, you know, that fear is at this point in the past. Yeah. Um, And then along with what they need to hear, it's like, not only did you go to school, now you have an engineering degree. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> Most everything else. <laughs> like, like, that's lit. You know what I'm saying? It is what it so is. So you don't have to, you know, I, don't know, I just think it's lit. I mean, you have an engineering degree, but you're not limiting. You're still not even limiting yourself to to that. But I guess, like, talk, like walk us through that decision. Yeah, like, what's Because the, that's what's an amazing balance? accomplishment to get that degree alone. And that probably could take you to crazy places so i guess talk about that i mean that was uh that's part of that uh, meeting the success thing yeah uh because like i've always had high uh expectations of myself have uh standards for myself 
And I just, if I'm doing something that's too easy, I'm going to get bored mm-hmm. and I'm not going to do well. Like, I, if I got, it's easy classes, I get C's, hard classes, I get A's. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. weird like that. That's not even a weird thing. That's just the era that you're born in. You're a millennial. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, like, I remember I was a, a junior in high school and I was just making money, buying tons of sneakers and taking AP classes and, um... I was paying for my stuff, you feel me? I was paying for my AP classes, so I wasn't about to waste no bread. So I uh, I studied my butt off for that calculus exam. And we came back that following year, and the teacher started talking about who got what. I'm like, I know I'm one of these people that got a two. He was like, we got one five in the school, one perfect score, and it was Chaz. I'm like, what? How I get a perfect score on this test? I got a C in the class. It don't even make sense. But, you know, uh, from there... I knew it was probably stupid for me to go to school for sports journalism. So I was like, let me go to school for architectural engineering. But my school didn't have it. Actually, uh, I don't think schools in Maryland have that. Architecture? Got, yeah, you got architecture, you got engineering. Mm. Uh, if somebody hears this and I'm wrong, just correct me. But, <laughs> uh, so I saw the curriculum. I saw that uh, architecture didn't require a calculus class, but civil engineering did. So... I was like, let me just use these credits. Because at that point, I just didn't even want to be in school. I just yeah. wanted to graduate as early as I could. So I was like, man, let me just get out of here in three and a half. Yeah. So I was really just trying to get in and out. But it sounds like you have a nice setup because it's like, either way, you're going to make money in either field, whether music or engineering. <laughs> I mean, you only go up. And then from that, so I guess like, do you enjoy engineering as much as you enjoy music? Depends on the day. Uh, I don't like paperwork. I don't like anything like that. I don't like office work. I'm not a conventional worker. I don't want to be in your office. I don't want to uh, have to deal with the hours that you're forcing me to do. <laughs> I want to go to the job. I want to dictate, not dictate, but determine what needs to be done, get it done, and dip. You know, like that's just what I like to do. Like, Building stuff, creating stuff, that is where I shine. You know, I shine in roles of leadership where I'm creating something out of nothing. That's why this music works for me because I'm really creating something from nothing. You know, some of these, like, everything that has come together so far is really like manifestation. You know, positive energy, thinking, meditation, like, all this stuff has just happened just from creation a mode of creation and uh, that's just where I work from so when I'm in the workspace engineering I'm in a mode of creation if we got some type of because being an engineer pretty much just means you're a problem solver yeah and that's just what I do I solve I solve the problem do you work with a lot of people that look like you uh when you say look like me uh, I've worked with quite a few people that are black. I've also worked with quite a few people who are Hispanic and quite a few people that are white, but I definitely don't work with people in my age group. Uh, everybody at my job is 40 and up. So how are you going to take those experiences to incorporate into your music too? Cause I guess that's another story that you can tell, you know? Oh, because like I'm learning the, I'm learning the, uh, I'm learning those essential parts of the game that people don't talk about in their records, that people don't talk about 
as far as just running a business, you know. A lot of these old heads, they just been sitting back watching and they learn a lot just from, you know, shutting up. And that's what I do. I just shut up and listen sometimes when the old heads talking because I learn a lot about running a business. I learn a lot about handling my books, making sure my numbers is right. You know, accounting is big. Uh, and I learn a lot just about project management, understanding processes and understanding the personnel. That's the biggest key as a leader. You got to know your personnel. If you don't know your personnel, you will fail. So you got to know your personnel. You got to. So that's one big thing that I carry from the job of being an engineer to the career of being a musician. Yeah, it's a fact. So what's the next steps for you, bro? Well, you know, right now I want as many people as possible to hear the Ayadeji experience. I want them to know that this Ayadeji experience isn't just a you listen to it once type of thing. It's a real life experience. These songs have the ability to change your life. And not only that, there's more to come. So, you know, all types of stuff, you, you know, videos, performances, even merchandise. We got the Dr. Chad shirts out. I got one out on my back right now. Yeah, you need to make some of them hats, bro. Oh, the Ayadeji has. Yeah, we talked about that the other day, but I just wanted to make there, sure I call you out on wax. Are there any other DMV artists that you would want to work with right now? DMV artists? And Baltimore. I don't know if Baltimore's Yeah, I'm about to say, he's not really DMV. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I understand. But I mean, you got to branch outside of Baltimore, too, so I guess. I understand where you're coming from. Uh, like, when I first started coming up, I really wanted to do a thing to, to unite Baltimore and D.C., that was really my thought process because like, I was really inspired by the fact that Wale was a Nigerian sneakerhead the mm -hmm. same way I was. And likes wrestling. And likes wrestling He's the way you, I do. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm definitely a big wrestling fan. So, like, I definitely would, would, would really want to work with Wale mm -hmm. and make, make some, some hits. That's uh, possible. He'd be around. And he, yeah, he get people shots, too. Yeah. yeah. Being a right spot, be I sure. I reset my order something in my night. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Security. I definitely have common ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so this Wale. Right now. She wants you to say Gold Link. No, I Gold don't. Link, I'm not. No, Gold, Gold Link is tough. I would I would definitely work with Gold Link. But I'm not opposed. <laughs> no, I would I would want to work with Gold Link. I would want to work with uh like we got people in the city I would want to work with. I would want to work with like uh, Band Hunter, Izzy. Mm. Uh, he tough. Uh, Blue Benjamin, Sleepy. He tough. Like yeah. those. Those are people in the city I would want to work with too. Man, there's so many people that are just coming out with dope stuff that I would love to work with. That you know, time is not advantageous to try to fit all those names in here. But trust me, if you making noise, if you making a positive movement, I I want to work with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That goes Baltimore, that goes D.C., that goes Nova, 757, uh, you know, Bumblefuck, wherever you at, you know, Aberdeen. What about uh, Even if we hit in other cities and states, you feel me? Philly, uh, Greensboro, Nashville, I don't care where you at. If you're making good music, I want to work with you for real. And I want to get into the Afrobeat too, so if anybody within reach of my voice is into that Afro beat. You you got an Afro beat producer, especially somebody that's local. I would love to work with you. That's lit. All right, I think that's everything, y'all. Yeah. Um, social medias. 
Oh yeah, everything is Dr. Chaz. You gotta spell it out. D O C T O R C H A Z Z. It's Chaz with two Z's. It's like Charles and Jazz music combined. And uh I ain't gonna leave you with a whole lot more but uh this song at the end of the podcast that I also made. Positivity, I was never receiving. Sarah, cut and my auntie's mama, sister, grandpa, Abba, and the ones who there for me. Mama told me be days like this. 